Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Talking Late Night with Max Cantor. I'm your host, Max Cantor. I'm joined to hear. I'm joined here today with a pretty cool guest. He's a pretty cool guy. Uh, he's a writer, uh, f- and he also has a, a website called the Atlanta Banana. Um, you still, are you still on that? Still? Actually, the Atlanta Banana has evolved. It's now a live oh. show called Atlanta Explained, which oh we do uh, monthly at Village Theater. Uh, yeah, I I can go into why. I don't want to do a website anymore, but uh, you know, it's just it's become a live show called Atlanta Explained. Okay, well, yeah. okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, the show. Atlanta right. Explained. So he hosts sure. Atlanta Explained. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please welcome to the show, Jim Hodgson. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Jim, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today. So, Thank you very much. Uh, so right off the bat, to get started, growing up or even you know in your teenage and adult years, what late night television influenced you as a comedian? Uh, well. You know, uh, Johnny Carson, of course, uh, David Letterman. I mean, uh, I think I think that some people might say that there's some sort of rift there. Like some people would be like, oh, I was more a Carson or I was more a Letterman. Um, I assume you know who these people are. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm 43 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just playing with you. Um, but – yeah, I mean, I liked the polishedness and the sort of uh, the regalness of Carson on his show, mm-hmm. but I also liked the the irreverence of uh, of David Letterman. Although I I had trouble staying up late enough to watch Letterman sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Saturday Night Live, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just probably the same answers anybody's my age would give. Mm-hmm. You know, so what drew you uh, to these shows? I mean, I know you said that you know it was the well, well the. David Letterman and John Carson are two very different people. So, mm-hmm. what drew you to each one, and how do you think that impacted you today? Uh, well, you know, I still like Leno. Um, you know, I, people. You know, maybe it's because I'm a car guy uh, for one thing. But um, you know, um, people give Leno a lot of crap for being like the right off the shelf <laughs> joke mm-hmm. kind of guy. And, uh, you know, maybe that criticism is deserved, but as I get older, at the same time, I'm thinking, a gig's a gig, baby. I mean, you know, he, he he's not broke. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's doing just fine. Uh, he's doing pretty well. With all his cars. Yeah. He's, he's good. I, and, and, but, but even though he's made a lot of money and bought a lot of cars, he's also giving back to the car community. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's got a network or, uh, I don't know, a cable show. Uh, Jay Leno's Garage, but before that, he was doing YouTube videos, like showing people his collection, you know, driving the cars around, having people to the garage. So it's not like he's, it's not like he's hoarding the cars, you know. He's 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 buying pieces of history and restoring them. So, but it, you know, just at a joke level, um, I, I'm, I don't know, I I, uh, I kind of appreciate that that the polishedness, the old school um, showbiz kind of style of joke. Mm-hmm. But I also really, I also always liked those moments. Something that would really crack me up on Letterman is when he would throw the top ten card at the camera, and it would make a like, <laughs> it would make like a glass breaking sound. Right. I mean, that is the stupidest thing, but it would always get me. Uh-huh. Or he would throw the pencil, and it would go out the back of the set. You know, like there's the city set behind him. You know. Right. Uh, I just always thought that was funny. Uh huh. You know, yeah. I remember one time they had John Popper on. This must have been in the mid '90s. Uh, John Popper is the harmonica player from uh, Blues Traveler, mm-hmm. 
and uh, they're like, uh, John Popper's sitting in with the band tonight. How you doing, John? And he's got a sword on his hip, and he pulls the sword, and he waves it over his head, and he goes, I'm a pirate! And then they cut away from him. <laughs> I mean... That's so dumb. I, I just I love those moments, you right. know, like like people who are brave enough to be dumb. Right. Well, you know, I'm so I'm reading a book about David Letterman actually right now, and when they started, because you know he had his, his morning show which mm-hmm. was canceled, but when he got late night uh, with David Letterman, they, they wanted it to be totally different. They didn't want it to be this night show at all, and so they did a lot of these things of which you're caught, like the stupid, the dumb things. I mean. They would just throw things off the top of buildings. Like, who, I don't know who would who thought of that, but it was so funny. Yeah. You know, like, it's so ridiculous that no one had thought of that. Mm-hmm. They went to the top of the building. You know, they got the watermelon, just chucked it over. It over yeah. And it was hilarious. It was hysterical. So they do all this. Weird, another, another thing they did um, was at the end of one episode, they... They cut back. You know how they have like the last like ten seconds of the host sometimes, and then it just ends the show, mm-hmm. or like the last maybe minute. And they cut back from commercial breaks that last moment where David Letterman is just signing off, and it's just like pure chaos. Like they had things <laughs> on fire, people <laughs> running around. Like it was just, that appeals to me. So, so what about that appeals to you? Like what what do you find comical in that? Um, besides the fact that it's just so dumb. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think what I like about it is that uh, I, I think that I, I think what I like about that is that they understood that their role was to be very different from Carson. Mm-hmm. And the most different thing you can be from Carson within the constraints that they had at the time, because, you know, the 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 descendants of that of that spirit are your Tom Green, uh, you know, um, so. Letterman wouldn't go as far as Tom Green went on the Tom Green show. You know, Tom Green is chainsawing people's heads off, <laughs> you know, uh, and that was funny, too. As you can tell, I just laughed about it. But um, I think they just I, I just like that they understood their role and they tried to implement it as as much as possible. And they weren't afraid. Somebody could have said, OK, that's it. Forget it. You're off. You know, that was that was too dumb, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh I, I like that things coming apart moment, but the, but the thing about things coming apart is they can't be coming apart all the time, right? You know, so so to cut back to commercial and have that that just sort of the show's shirt tail, you know, because I, I assume that part of the show is there because they don't know for sure how long the commercial breaks are going to be mm-hmm. when they write the show. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing I don't know that, mm-hmm. but so they have this sort of fudge time at the end, but they can't they can't surrender their time at the end of the show, so they got to put something there. Mm-hmm. So. One day, somebody's just like, "Let's just have stuff on fire." <laughs> Why not? Let's just. No one's done this before. Yeah, Let's just do it. Let's do it. But you know, think, thinking about that, how David Letterman really his show was to say, "We're going to be different." Like you said, we're going to be different from Johnny Carson. Do you think that's the case today? Do you think there's anybody right now uh, who's like, "Let's be different. Let's do something completely different." Uh, yeah, um, yeah, uh, but. They're not necessarily on TV. Okay. You know, uh, I think I think differentness has has transcended network TV at this point and has for the last, I don't know, what, 20 years? You know, I mean, the the, the YouTube folks are, you know, we have a YouTube show that we do. Uh, so um, I, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. So there's a car show called Top Gear. You're familiar with Top Gear? Mm-hmm. Like number one car show in the world, crazy, crazy popular on BBC, mm-hmm. uh, and they 
the guy that ran the show got very, very famous, and he knew how famous he was, and he, he assumed that that meant that he could treat people poorly. And he did so to such an extent that he got fired by the BBC. So the show is now on Amazon. Amazon paid, I don't even know what they paid, millions and billions and billions to get the show. Mm-hmm. And on the first episode, the guy stands up in, in the beginning of the show, and he's like, um, we're on the internet now, and that means that I could pleasure a horse, and no one would be able to get, okay. And it's like, that's true, but you're on the internet now. So you're competing with actual people actually pleasuring horses right. you know that's that's the difference mm-hmm. so so to go back to the moment at the end of network tv that's chaos is you've never dropping the watermelon it's like you said people have never seen that before mm-hmm. so when there's chaos within constraints mm-hmm. it's it's interesting but if there are no constraints whatsoever as on youtube you can do literally anything mm-hmm. then it's not so daring or interesting is right. it right no you're totally that's totally true and, but oh, yeah. keep going, keep going. No, I, I'm uh, I'm trying to think of the guy who's who's. So I would say that like from Letterman, then there's the Tom Green show. Did you did you ever check that out? No, t- tell me about that because I've never heard of that. So it was it was the generation beyond Letterman. It was it was Tom Green deliberately trying to put people off and, okay. and uh, discuss them and and uh, be weird to them. <laughs> uh, and it was a like a, it was like a talk show. It was, it was, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was like a talk show. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think some of it was like he would, like his guests didn't necessarily know what the story was with the show mm-hmm. and they would come on and then, you know, he would just be doing, like putting food on himself and doing weird things. And, um, he was, he was throwing watermelons off buildings. Yeah. But even more so a, a generation beyond. Right. And, okay. uh, and there is a show now that's a generation beyond, and I've been sitting here for the last couple of minutes trying to think of the guy's name that runs the show. Hannibal Burris is his side guy, uh, but I can't think of the comedian's name that um, – uh, I can't think of the comedian's name who hosts the show. Hmm. But Hannibal Burris is the side guy who's a comedian I respect a lot. Yeah. You know? um, but, you know, so the question really is how far does it go until it's just – I don't know. <laughs> you know, people don't watch. I yeah, guess. you know yeah. what's that line? Did you Did you ever watch uh, Craig Ferguson? On, oh yeah, on late mm-hmm. night. I think he he did different things. Like he was not the same as everybody else. Yeah, I well, one of the things I liked about him is how honest he was about his uh, you know addiction and and mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. And then they had like the robot sidekick mm-hmm. and right and all that. <laughs> yeah, they had the two people in a horse costume every night. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I read somebody's uh, blog post about going on that show and what it was like, um, and it was interesting that, you know, with network TV, you have your five minutes, but they get to look at your five minutes before you do it. Mm-hmm. So if they don't like a word, they got They're they're going to tell you to cut that word. But what if that word is critical for that whole minute of your act? You right. know, right. <laughs> so, that kind of messes you up. Yeah. So would you say overall, like watching Johnny Carson, Dave Letterman, late night and SNL, late night as a kid influenced you? Or were there other things that mainly influenced your comedy? I don't know about, I mean, I mean, unquestionably they influenced me. Yeah. But also like Adult Swim, uh, when Adult Swim started, it was just the greatest (laughs) thing. I, I thought it was so amazingly hilarious. Um. I love Beavis and Butthead, of course. You know, Mike Judge is, is um, his sense of humor is, is um, very well suited for me. <laughs> uh, but 
Uh, Futurama is one of my favorite. I mean, I've seen every episode multiple times. Love that show. Can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, I, I would hope that I have lots of influences. Otherwise, I've stopped consuming, uh, you know, popular art, which yeah. would be boring and a shame. It's true. <laughs> uh, so, so you're watching, you know, Futurama and mm-hmm. um, Beavis and Butthead. What drew you to these shows besides the fact they were on Adult Swim and you liked Adult Swim? Yeah, well, I watched Beavis and Butthead when it was uh, on MTV because I'm very old. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, what I like about Futurama is uh, is craft. You know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of those shows where in the writer's room they went line by line, can anybody beat this joke? Mm-hmm. You know, line by line through a, I don't know, a 22-page script probably. Cause it's hours. And, like, uh, yeah. Uh, and, I mean – it's, but it shows because you you read the scripts now and everything somebody says is as tight as it can be. It's mm-hmm. as funny as it can be. It has often there's some kind of uh, scientific uh, tie-in, like you know, or or it, it it plays by its own rules. I like that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of shows that are trying to be funny and in the process of being funny, they don't care if they bend any rules or or they you know things get a little weird like i think family guy is a good example of that mm-hmm. like they but you know i mean all respect to family guy they just said straight out of the gate we're gonna we're we want as many laughs as we can get for the duration of the show and we don't care about anything else in the world mm-hmm. and i i can dig that but i like that futurama's got rules and they play by the rules mm-hmm. you know um so that's yeah and i and i just think it it uh it bears rewatching because because of that Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm not, I'm not really going back and watching Family Guy episodes as much as, I mean they're funny. I'm not going to take anything away from them, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't. We rewatch them the way that I would Futurama. Okay, so so to go back in time as as a, a kid, you know, you said you're watching Johnny Carson, David Letterman. As you start growing up, what what other comedic things do you start consuming? Uh, Monty Python, of course. Um, uh, you know, and it's weird that I got into Monty Python later because it actually happened before, you know, much earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I just got old enough to really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, Spaceballs, mm-hmm. crazy funny. Um, yeah, I liked about Monty Python that, that it was okay to make sort of wordy jokes, Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and like uh, semantics and, and the sort of syntactical jokes were okay. And you don't hear that a lot um, necessarily. Um, and, uh, you know, on top of just being hilarious. <laughs> um, and it's, but you know, in the if you think about it, it's context is so important when it comes to a show like that. And I had no context for what living in uh, England was like at that time. So, <laughs> you know, right. I liked the young ones too, and I, I had no no touch points with uh london punks so i don't know why i would think it's funny but it was just weird mm-hmm. and silly do you, do you have a favorite sketch of theirs that you remember one that stands out something they did python mm-hmm. uh argument sketch uh, how uh, what's it about how does it go uh it starts with a guy who comes to a uh and the parrot sketch of course but the argument sketch a guy comes to a a clinic and uh you know he's sort of speaking to the the lady at the desk and we come to find out that he's there he's there to buy an argument <laughs> and uh she says 
you know, she directs him to a, a room. But the first room he goes in is not the argument guy. It's a guy who hits people over the head with hammers. And then the next guy is like, you know, um, the next guy yells at him. And he's like, I came here to buy an argument. The guy's like, oh, this is abuse, you know. So and then he finally gets in the argument room. And, and it's just a guy saying, no, it isn't to everything. <laughs> and then he has to argue with the argument guy because he doesn't like the quality of the argument. Mm-hmm. And then they go back and forth about that. And then his time's up and he has to pay and, you know. Mm-hmm. And really nothing is funnier than having me explain to you <laughs> the beats of the sketch. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's a classic. And, you know, my dad my dad really loved Abbott and Costello, and I heard some of that when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, so I, 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 I guess that probably is the beginning of where that sort of uh, pithy back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, uh, appreciation came from, like, the, you know, who's on first. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah. Right, the the quick back and forth of – and it seems too, I mean, just listening to you talk is you like uh, wor- words. Mm-hmm. Words matter a lot to you and the tightness of a joke and putting every word in its right place. Would you say that's accurate? Are words important to you? Yeah, I mean it shows craft, you know. I mean uh, like um... – you know, we talked a minute ago about Hannibal Burris, but uh, like mm-hmm. his his inflection is so uh, is so precise, and it sounds like it's off the cuff, mm-hmm. you know. But but it's really not, you know. Like the way that he says, "I'm flicking pickle juice," <laughs> he's he's saying that that way for a reason, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I just I I just appreciate that that uh, subtle craft, like. If you've never done stand up, maybe you don't know how much craft he's showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's amazing to watch a guy like that, you know. And going back in time, you know, George Carlin, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dudes like that. Um, uh, Berbiglia is that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all comedians are that way, really. Yeah. Um, who who do you think is the the best uh, comedic wordsmith? If you were to pick one, like, I mean, I know you literally just said that all comedians are like <laughs> that, but if, who do you think is the best? Because I have my opinion of who I oh, think really? does words the best, but I just want to know what, what yours is. And I'm going to hear yours well, first, so I don't influence okay. you. Okay, all right, all right. Answer. Um, thank you for not uh, putting your finger in the sauce. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I, it's a tough question to answer because there are different styles. You know, there's, um, like I said, Hannibal's, like, like uh, I, I like the way that he... I also like the way each of Hannibal's bits, like they start quiet and then they get louder as he goes along. And, and he, that's, he's just pacing you through the set with, with there's, um, I don't know when I was learning classical music, uh, there was, they would call it Sturm and Drang. There's like, you know, like yin and yang, like, uh, tension and release. Uh, I really appreciate his, uh, skill with that. But then there's another, like Jeselnik is a completely different style of comedian but his he, he's even more he, because his jokes are so short he relies even more heavily on the exact wording inflection everything mm-hmm. and if he puts a foot wrong that's the end of that joke mm-hmm. you know uh so it's a tough question to answer because there are so many ways of going at it um uh who is the best you know i got to say berbiglia's latest uh, special, which is on Netflix, is awfully good. And what I really like about it is how quietly he's speaking. I mean, it is 
I, I, when I was playing for music for a living, I used to always say the way you can tell a really good drummer is they're quiet. A guy who can really stay on the beat doesn't have to muscle it in. He doesn't have to hit the drums hard. He's got, it's all in the muscle memory. He can do it quiet as a mouse. You, it, like, you know, sitting here in a 10 by 10 room with you and you don't have to cover your ears, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I, I thought it was really, really cool that Berbiglia, he started so quiet and he talked so quiet the whole time. Uh, even though just a moment ago I praised Hannibal for <laughs> for starting quiet and getting loud, but I just thought that was really cool to do. Um, but I don't know that I've really answered your question. Uh, the best. Well, I think it just goes to show that uh, everybody does it a little differently, you know, and that there's not yeah. there's not one way to do it. You can do it anyway. It's you, like you said, Hannibal Burris versus Mike Berbiglia. That is his first name, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Just, I, I think right. so. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we'll call him Michael to be respectful. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like that. But he, like you were saying, you know, the different tones and their volumes, and both of them are successful. Mm-hmm. Both of them are funny. So I guess there is no right way to do it. Everyone has their own successful way. Um, but for me, in my opinion, I have my favorite joke ever. Mm-hmm. Which is written by Steve Martin, mm-hmm. and I th- and so the the jo- I'll just tell you the joke because okay. I think I tell my friends this joke all the time and they do not think it's funny. <laughs> and the first time I read it online, I cried because I thought it was just the funniest <laughs> thing I'd ever I had ever read in my entire. So it goes like this. But first, the doctor told me the good news: I was going to have a disease named after me, <laughs> and I just. I think that, <laughs> that was I think my wife laughing from. <laughs> see, it's funny. It's like it's genuinely funny. It is funny, um, but it's just there's so much that goes into that joke. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much working there mm-hmm. that that you don't hear about. You know, you don't hear about him. You don't know what the disease is. You don't know what's happening to the guy. You don't hear about him telling his friends or going to the doctor or any of that. And and it. it uh, you just know because he's going to have a disease named after him. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It, it, it's not the good news. Yeah. So I think that's hilarious, and I think it's such a well-written joke. So that's my favorite joke. But the guy that I think does words best, in my opinion, is Norm Macdonald. Um, mm. I, it's okay. Did you, you read his book? No, I haven't read his book. Yeah, I don't. He, you didn't like. You didn't like <laughs> I don't his know. Book? You know the thing is like I love Norm so much and I look up to him so much and especially now that the the like his his disdain for the YouTube generation mm-hmm. and uh, excuse me for saying that <laughs> but you know like it's like I've seen some stuff where people have convinced him to like sort of be live on camera and mm-hmm. with people who don't like know what he's about and that just the moments of uncomfortableness that he creates for those other people. Oh, magic I, for me. <laughs> no, and I think I think he's hysterical, but I just think, you know, and maybe it's not maybe it's not words I'm talking about now. Maybe I'm talking about performance, mm-hmm. but definitely his pacing in words. It sounds like what you were saying with Hannibal Burns, how it just sounds off the cuff, like he's just making it all up. That's what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Um and so every time I see him, even he hosts a YouTube a show, yeah, I've seen that. And, and so even watching him that YouTube show, it's <laughs> I just think he's so funny, the way he paces things out. Where it's like I don't really care about what I'm talking about right now, but I, just don't I like that. Uh, one of the things I respect about him is his commitment to a joke that 
is, is, is a lot of people might call it a dad joke. Yes. You know, like he, yes. he's committed to those jokes, but you know, they're, they're funny. And yeah. I, 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 uh, I dig it that he doesn't let people tell him, you know, man, you got to lay off these dumb like, right. debt and these, you know, look, I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> Just let me handle the jokes. Right. Uh, um, yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah. I'm a Norm fan. He he has this hilarious dad joke. If you've seen the episode with Sarah Silverman, where he it's a long one. It's like two. Yeah, they are. That's the other minutes. thing is they're so they're long. So long. And uh, but he tells this really hilarious joke about a sheepdog, and I, I won't ruin it just in case if <laughs> if anybody listening looks it up or if you want to look it up. But it yeah. is it's a dad joke essentially. I told my girlfriend the joke, and I got I got hit in the arm for, <laughs> for telling her. And you know it's good. You right. know when other people are like, oh god, you know you got yeah, that's gold. You're on to something. That's gold right there. Um, but enough talking about other comedians and Norm okay. Macdonald and Hannibal Burst. I want to talk about you. In your career. Um, okay. And so we don't have to talk about influences anymore, but I just want to talk about, you know, what you do, what you do now. Mm-hmm. So going back in time again, what what was your first moment in comedy or your first comedic memory that you might have? Oh, um, I'm not sure that I remember, but I was a theater kid for a long time. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, I... I got the lead in the school play in first grade. This was 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I've wanted to be uh, on stage performing ever since then. And I've played in bands. Um, you know, I did theater all the way through college. And I even worked at a theater after college. I was, you know, doing technical stuff for them. So I wasn't performing for them. But you know, still part of my life. And, uh, you know, I mean, I have a show now, a live show that I do. And I, I just, I just love standing in front of people, like trying to make them laugh. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I don't, well, I don't know if it's really fair to say that I love it. It's as much as I, I can't not do it. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes we'll have an off night and we'll have three or four people come to the show and, uh, it's, it, it's, it's embarrassing that it's not packed and uh but you just got to you got to you got to do it for them anyway you can't say to them i'm sorry there's not enough of you <laughs> you know so you try to you try to go on anyway but i i can't i i can't not do it, it it's just uh it's i i would feel like something's terribly missing mm-hmm. uh and i also love i also love music and, and and playing music and stuff but i would be I would play gigs and uh, between songs I would be, you know, cracking people up and uh, making people laugh. And I, and people would be like, uh, yeah, you should go hear him. He, he's really, really funny. You know, I'm like, well, if I'm, if people are coming because I'm funny, then I don't need these three other dudes, you know, right. <laughs> why did I, I don't need all these, carry all these guitars and amps and whatnot. You right. know? Um, so I don't remember the, the first moment exactly, but I was always, uh, class clown funny guy mm-hmm. you know i mean i i was always um very overweight so that was something that i did just to get people's attention you mm-hmm. know and then of course you know when you get interested in girls like make them laugh is, is helpful mm-hmm. it's uh, true <laughs> so <laughs> very true. uh you know um just never let it go right 
Okay. Now, can I ask you, do you remember what your first grade role was? Yeah, I, I know because my sister sent me a uh, program from the show uh, recently. I was the narrator. <laughs> it was like a well, it was like a Christmas performance. Uh-huh. So, and so I, I, as I recall, they wanted to move the show from like scene to scene, mm-hmm. and in order to paste that together, they're like, okay, we're going to get a kid to be the narrator. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and then the you know because so much of the Bible is is uh, is narrated to you, it's mm-hmm. not uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's a lot of showing and not a lot of telling in the Bible. Right. Not a lot of dialogue. Yeah, that goes on. Very little. Di- God, they're so light on dialogue. <laughs> Yeah, they should have Sorkin rework it. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, okay. narrator. So where did you go to college? I went to Birmingham Southern. Birmingham, and you major, that's where you majored in theater? I was a theater major. I didn't graduate, but uh, okay. that was my major. Okay, so you not only did well, – you, you did plays, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Did you do musicals? Did you get into musicals at all? Uh, I might have done a couple, but I didn't do any singing and dancing myself. Okay. Uh what about what about like improv and stand up? Did you get into yeah. that? Uh, well, improv at the time, I didn't really try stand up until much later in life. Okay, so after after you left college, where did you go? did you come back to Atlanta? Mm, no, I can't, I moved here to take a job in two thousand, maybe two thousand two thousand one. Okay, so so then where did you go after college? Uh, I wanted to be in rock and roll bands, so um, I was working in IT. Uh, you know, I was a, a Linux systems administrator. Uh, Sun Solaris, and uh, I was doing that during the day, and then trying to play in bands and do wow. that. So you weren't really involved in the comedy world all that much after college. No, I thought I was gonna. I mean, I wanted to be Jimmy Page, mm. you know, more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, anyway. So I was I was really working on that. Okay. So how how do you think? I mean, you. I guess you really just said it when you were doing like. Rock <laughs> I'll and say roll. it again. Whatever it is. <laughs> when you were in your bands and stuff, you would make people laugh. Um, but I don't know. I, how did music influence your your comedy? Because uh, the the reason why I'm asking is because when I think of music and comedy, I immediately think of people like Bo Burnham, mm-hmm. where they combine it. Yeah. So did you ever find yourself like writing parody songs or doing anything like that or you really kept the two things separate? I've done some of those. Uh and you know Bo is he is really funny. He's also a crazy talented uh musician. So he's uh, um uh I applaud his work and he's made me laugh many times. Mm-hmm. Um but I I in some ways I feel that it would it is a mistake to try to combine the two for me. Uh, and not for him because he's so good at it. You know, Weird Al, um, uh, you know, Frank Zappa even. Uh, I, you know, I'm fans of all these folks, but I I've, I, I, don't know. I, I guess I feel like in some ways to for me to put comedy and music together would be to half-ass them both, you know. Okay. So why half-ass two things when you can whole-ass one thing, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you were whole assing music, and yeah. Now, now you're whole assing comedy, yeah. And but I, I sort of washed up. I, I, I've been thinking about trying to get something back together music wise. I, I just, uh, I was doing it for a living, playing in bands, and uh, I was in a pretty popular band who was on a pretty popular label with a band that's now like crazy, crazy famous. And we were all going to be, uh, we were all going to go to the show, man. We were all going to do it, and then I just, I, I, I was in my thirties by that point. I was tired of driving all night long like mm-hmm. i can't i really just 
I love drinking as much as anybody else, but <laughs> every night, all the time, gets a little bit old. Mm-hmm. Sleeping on amps, that gets old. Um, you know, like going to Nashville to play a show, and then you have to... So it's like, okay, I drove up here, I made 50 bucks, I spent 30 in gas, I now have $20, I'm hungry, it's 3 a.m., I've had a couple of free beers, How do, what do I do? Right. You know, do I get a, find a hotel for 20 bucks? That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Or do I just try to drive home, even though I'm tired and I got a little buzz, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's no good options at the end of that. Mm-hmm. So those those situations got really old for me. Uh, and also the band I was with fired me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you, that'll do it. Yeah, but I always say, you know, the guy that they got instead of me was much better looking, younger. He was a better guitar player. Okay. Uh, he's got better stuff. He had longer hair. I mean, oh. well, I can't really hate. Well, now, so. yeah. But beards weren't a thing then. This is, uh, you know, now beards are sort of in fashion, but back then it would be like it wasn't quite so much the case. Okay. So when did you start writing comics? I know you've written quite a few novels and mm-hmm. quite a few books. And mm-hmm. when, when did that start happening? Um, well, when my mom passed away, it, I just sort of – I've been like blogging and writing since kind of like the mid-'90s. Uh, just – I don't know, as a sort of a hobby sort of a thing. Um, and then when my mom passed, I just wrote about that experience like every day. I wrote about it. And it just it just really helped me get through it, mm-hmm. you know. And also other family members sort of knew what we were going through, my sister and myself. And uh, it, it was so it was so cathartic that I thought, you know, this is this is a really fulfilling thing to do. It feels good to do. And I don't have to drive to Nashville, <laughs> you know. I can do this anywhere. Right. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I was, I don't know, thirty two, thirty three, something like that at the time. I'm like, I need, I need something. I've been fired. I'm out of this band. I don't have this music thing really anymore. Um, I need something creative that I can do for the rest of my life, regardless of where I am or what I am doing. So. I should just focus on this thing that I've been doing for the last 10 years anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's when I started taking it really seriously. So that's been, I guess, more than 10 years now. Okay. Something like that. So did, so your blog helped lead you into writing full books? Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to write. Uh, I started with a, um, a collection of short stories. A lot of a lot of people do that. It's kind of a dumb idea, but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> um it's just tough to get people involved in a collection of short stories when you're nobody, you know, uh, when you're like, if you have a hit book and you got a bunch of short stories laying around that nobody would publish before your hit book because you sucked, mm-hmm. then you stick them together and you publish it after your hit book. So everybody who's a fan of your hit book will buy the short story collection, gotcha. even though they still suck. That is, <laughs> that is a good business idea. That's, That's a good business model. Yeah. There's, yeah, I look, all you got to do is get over that one hump of having the hit book mm-hmm. and then you know, then you can sell pretty much any kind of crap you want to people down the road. So after the, the short story collections of short story books, what was your uh-huh. first like whole novel or first whole book? Uh, dangerous Dan was a novel I wrote. Uh, that was, and it took three years to write. Wow. Um, it's, uh, but you know, since then I can, now I can knock one out in like three months cause oh. it, cause I just got familiar with, you know how to do it yeah once you figure out how to do it and then people have all these sort of mental blocks about you know people think that writer's block exists and it's a it doesn't it's a joke <laughs> i mean 
it's like saying painter's block, you know, like <laughs> I like if you're a house painter and you go to work and you say, I'm sorry, boss, I, I have painter's block. I can't paint today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll see you. <laughs> you're fired. Or I have nurse's block. You know, that doesn't right. exist. So why should writers be able to be like, I just don't feel like writing today. You know, you're, that's just lazy. Mm-hmm. That's lazy. So w- once I sort of got into a, a productive, motivated uh, mindset over a couple of years of working on it, now it's, you know, it's just like, I don't know, it's just like building a house, I would imagine. If you've never worked with wood before, you get a couple of pieces of wood, and you're like, I don't even know how these stupid things. But over a couple of years, you understand how drills work, and you have little tools, and you know you can put together, you know. Right. So So do you write every day still? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a ton of projects going on. Uh, Books or blogs or? I mean, I haven't been updating my blog very much, but I try to do a weekly uh, newsletter to readers. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm working on I'm working on fiction work. Uh, I just released a nonfiction book last week. Oh, uh, cool. I'm doing two podcasts now. They're both bi-weekly, so we kind of alternate weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes it a little bit easier. And then the show at Atlanta Explained, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so. so speaking of Atlanta Explained, because mm-hmm. I know you said the Atlanta Banana kind of morphed into that. Mm-hmm. Talk about what the Atlanta Banana was. It was uh, The Onion for Atlanta is the easiest way to say it. It was a satirical uh, newspaper uh, set in and all about Atlanta. Okay. And what made you think of that idea? Or were you just like, hey, we should have The Onion but for Atlanta? Yeah, I wanted to write for The Onion, but there's I didn't live in wherever they are, (laughs) Philadelphia or something. uh, And I don't even know how to begin to try to get – to go there to get hired by them. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've, I guess I've seen something since about uh, internships, but I don't want to be an intern. Right. Um, I, I mean, uh, so I, I didn't know how to even begin to try to get something like that going. And I just figured rather than try to force my way into their tent, I'll just make my own thing, mm-hmm. you know? So did you write, like satire articles before you started this or once you started it then you started writing these types of articles um i had done a couple before that uh you know i'd been i'd been doing you know blog type stuff for years before that and mm-hmm. and when i was working in it i'd done lots of custom blog work for people so i mm-hmm. i know how wordpress works and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing so um yeah i I'd, I'd done some before that but but i started it First of all, I was hoping that other there are other comedy writers like myself and like people who are not necessarily stand-ups and not you know but wanted to be a funny wanted to work on being a funny writer. I figured if if there was anybody else like that in Atlanta, they would maybe see this thing that I'm trying to do and they would we could work together on it. Mm-hmm. You know. So take me through the steps of how you write a satire article. Because I don't know how to do it. I, you see them on The Onion. Right. I could – well, maybe I could. I've never tried. But, oh, I'm sure you could. Um, I, it's hard to think of, about how to construct one. So mm-hmm. how would you construct one? Well, most of the time I started with something that made me mad. Okay. Um, you know, and there's lots to be mad about in Georgia and Atlanta politics uh, <laughs> or in any place, you know, for that matter. Uh, and And – Usually what I would do is is think of something that made me angry, and then I would try to become the worst part of that thing. Okay. So uh, I don't – it's not necessarily as effective 
when you're pointing your finger at someone. The, the thing about satire and parody is you can become the worst thing that there is and and then uh, haphazardly state your view mm-hmm. so that it's clear that you're a buffoon, mm-hmm. but you're not... You know, if you just if you just posted something that was like this person's bad and they're wrong and they're stupid, you know, I don't know. That's that's really not satire or parody. That's just you. That's like a letter to the editor. Right. You know, um, so yeah, you just try to try to become whoever it is that is doing whatever you don't like, mm-hmm. and then have them try to explain themselves, mm-hmm. and and give them try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But usually they fail because. <laughs> There's just no defense for the like heritage not hate folks. Uh, there's no defense for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Georgia changing their flag to uh, the Confederate battle flag in 1956 or whatever. There's no defense for that. Mm-hmm. It's it's really not. You know, like if you go and look at when all of those Confederate monuments went up and how many of them were erected in the mid 50s. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, the Civil War had been over for a hundred years by then. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really sorry, but we really need to move on now. Right. You know, uh, so some of that stuff is indefensible, and we see it still today, and it's disgusting. And uh, so it's it's easy to be angry, and then you just gotta become that sort of person, and then do a bad job of explaining because you can't do a good job of explaining it. Right. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's how you do it's, it. It's like uh, cathartic in a way. It really is know? because because so many things make you angry, right? You know, like uh, I think Stephen Covey, uh, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, I can't remember if it was him or Carnegie, but they have the the circle of influence and the circle of concern. So it, when your circle of concern, the things that you know about, is bigger than your circle of influence, the things that you can actually affect, mm-hmm. that difference is things that are frustrating to you. So try not to let your circle of concern be too much bigger than your circle of influence uh, or you'll be frustrated and angry mm-hmm. because you're in, you can't, you're impotent. You can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So um, unfortunately, because we know about everything now that happens at all times, all of our circles of concern are gigantic, <laughs> you know, um, so. Okay. And how did you come up with the name, the Atlanta Banana? Because it has a ring to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just sort of rolls off the tongue, and the um, the URL was not available. AtlantaBanana.com I don't think was available, but so I got ATLBanana.com. Okay. And this was the point when uh, uh, browsers were sort of, you know, in the early days of the Internet, you had to know somebody's actually address. You had to know that Apple's at Apple.com. I mean, most big businesses are going to be at the .com, but, mm-hmm. you know— um, the browsers started combining the search bar and the title, uh, the address bar, so you could type in the the title bar Atlanta Banana, mm-hmm. and it would go to the number one Google result for that. So I didn't, I didn't try to get AtlantaBanana.com. I thought it was too long. I wanted something shorter. Mm-hmm. So ATL Banana. Did you know, like before you decided on Atlanta Banana, did you know you wanted to do a type of food, like how the onion is the onion? You wanted to do another food item. Yeah, well, the nice thing about a banana is it's so wienerish, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's it's uh, inherently phallic, and uh, that is offensive and dumb. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's so kind of a good banana. fit, yeah. And I guess at, like Atlanta cucumber doesn't sound as good no as Atlanta zucchini. No, but Columbus cucumber could be funny. 
Oh, yeah, you could do the Columbus cucumber. Or, or something the, like that. The Zurich zucchini. Yeah, there you go. I don't know if they're getting into <laughs> now you're working. over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so you had the Atlanta banana. It's successful. You know, you're pumping out articles. Talk about the transition into the Atlanta experience. Atlanta explained. Atlanta uh, explained. Excuse me. <laughs> no worries. No, it's okay. You've only just heard about it today. <laughs> um, well, a lot of – okay, just to go back to how to uh, create a satire article, it's 95% headline. Mm-hmm. Headline, headline, headline. Because nobody's going to read the article unless they like the headline. It's a good hook. But also with the advent of Facebook and Twitter, people share based on the headline. They don't read the article. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it became – I mean I did the site for five years and it just – the gap between our shares and our actual views just grew and grew and grew and grew. So people would never read the article or care about – and I hear my actual journalist friends complaining about the same thing. They say people see a headline and they'll post a comment under the headline on Facebook. Yeah, well, what about blah, blah, blah? And, and they they're like, I addressed that in – it is in the piece. <laughs> right. If you had read the piece, then you would know. Mm-hmm. Um so that just started to bother me that nobody is, is – is, and then also real life got so weird mm-hmm. that it was impossible – it's impossible to satirize or parody a guy like Donald Trump because he's so ridiculous and is completely unmoored from the truth. Mm-hmm. You can't how, – how can you parody a guy like that? You know? He is a parody of himself. Yeah, and proudly so. And he, he that's his tactic. It's right. not even like a mistake. That's his that's how he goes about his life. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't really parody a guy like that. Even though it's, it's like at the same time he's also so he's like very thin skinned somehow, which I don't necessarily <laughs> how do those two go together? Um But yeah, and it just got uh writing for the web that was it was like declining uh, money like ad revenue was dropping, dropping, dropping. Everybody's got an ad blocker. Uh, nobody clicks through anyway, mm-hmm. and so like people are sharing and laughing on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. But and we we went to the top of Reddit and like you know. Uh, but what's the point? You know, if we don't get any views, then our ads aren't getting seen. We're not getting paid, and then mm-hmm. now it's costing me money. And right. so, uh, and then i just uh i missed performance and i wanted to do something like that so i went to uh my wife and i went to the village theater and mm-hmm. said look we got uh we got the site and and we're enjoying doing this but we want to do something a little bit different what if we did a show kind of like the daily show and i you know i'm just such a huge fan of colbert and, and the daily show mm-hmm. uh you know the colbert report back in the day and uh they said yeah well what if what if we did something like that, but we added improv because that's kind of what they do. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it was a great idea and it, it ended up being really, really funny. So the show is like, I tell people now that the show is like a daily show meets whose line is it anyway. So, okay. so it's like, it's like news items, but then, you know, we'll read a short headline or small article and then like, how did we get in this position or what's going to happen if we don't change it? Mm-hmm. And then the improvisers, like show us how we got in that position, right. you know? So it's like, like where the daily show would cut to video, we cut to improv. Yeah. So I like that. It combines both in a way you almost have stand up, but I mean, I'm assuming you're sitting down yeah. during the show. So. I usually do a little monologue at the top. Okay. Yeah. So, so it is, it's like stand up or monologue, like you said, and then you have improv. So mm-hmm. I, I do like that. I, you have it's the, pretty weird. The scripted and then the totally made up. Yeah. So I like that. How long have you been doing it? 
Oh, we're coming on for two years. Two years? Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I'm so sorry. I've never no, no, that's okay, man. But you I'm going to go now. <laughs> you can't, you. You can't gonna, know about everything. I'm you know? going to go now. So do you guys – when do you do it? How often? It's the last Saturday of the month, every month at Village Theater, and okay. it's on 730. It's the first show of the night. We're like the after coffee show. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I – my wife says that I'm not very good at promoting the show, so maybe I need to get better at that. But well, this, on average, I think 25 people have been listening per episode. You know what? We 30. appreciate every one of them. You, exactly. I appreciate <laughs> all of you, and I will reach out to you by name if I had to write your handwritten letters. Yeah. And say thanks for listening. But now they know, and yeah. I'll share it. And thanks. But definitely pull pull a bigger crowd to to your show because I think that's hilarious. That's a funny idea. Thanks. Because it it hits so close to home, literally. Because you're yeah. talking about the issues that I deal with every day. You deal with, <laughs> you know. So so what is an issue like last month? What is a topic that you dealt with in regards to Atlanta? Well, you remember the eclipse, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the things that the AJC does that I think is so annoying is that they uh, but. Not to single the AJC out because all local media does this, and I assume all local media in every city do this, but they, they include a lot of user-submitted content. You know, Like when there's a storm, somebody, will, somebody in Schmucksville goes out in their backyard and takes a photo of a patio table that's fallen over. <laughs> you know, it's like, They're like F5 tornado. Yeah, you know, like, yeah well, it's like, well, we're out here in Lawrenceville, and everything's calling, it's fucking coming apart at the seams. <laughs> Sorry if I'm not supposed to say bad words. You can say whatever you want. Okay. Uh, so uh, I just think that's so dumb because why did you go to broadcast school if you're just going to retweet right. Larry whatever in Lawrenceville? <laughs> right. Uh, so during the eclipse, I don't know if this person filmed this or if they had this video in their back pocket, but it was like a light source. on. It starts with a light source on the video, and then you see – a scrotum descending from the top of the frame to obscure the light source. Uh, and they, they, they just didn't watch the video. They just said, okay, that's an eclipse video. Boom. Retweet. Uh-huh. And, or it was on a page on AGC. And then whoever made the video was like, Oh my God, you know, and then sending out to everybody and, right. uh, Reddit got a hold of it. And, uh, you know, that was, it's just so, it's funny mm-hmm. to see somebody like, mess up like that you know uh and my my complaint with ajc in in general is that they're i don't see a lot of hard-hitting journalism or what i consider to be hard-hitting journalism out of them it just seems like they're just going through the motions like they're waiting to go out of business (laughs) you know and and it's like well here's the traffic and now here's the people that got shot overnight and right so you know i mean i don't know maybe i'm I like Jim Galloway. Uh, Torpy, I can do without, mm-hmm. just because he's a bike hater, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, but so that's that's that was our number one Atlanta story was the nutsack eclipse that okay. AJC propagated. Yeah. Okay, so you really have to keep updated with the news to, to mm. know what's happening, or do you just take like the biggest issues? Usually, there's one or two things because I, I you know, I. I've talked to Village about making this into a weekly thing, like yeah. a weekly show, but the problem with that is not that much happens in Atlanta every week. It's true. There's not like a lot of Atlanta news every week, and I think that's why you know, your local media stations have to go to who got shot overnight because right. it ain't every day that Kasim Reed does something or, mm-hmm. you know, so um so uh 
I don't know, but the the sort of permanent nature of the internet is such that you can go back and see what happened over the last week mm-hmm. or month. But yeah, there's usually one big story per month. So what's your goal with this show? Where do you want to see it go? Um, you know, I would I would be really excited about it if it just was uh I I would love it if we ended up doing it weekly, you mm-hmm. know, like it's like we got some we had enough money to hire some more writers and uh you know, do like a, a bigger production, but at the same time, uh, you know, the value for me is just um the the men and women at Village are so so funny. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so valuable to be just in a room with other performers putting on a show. I just, I love that feeling and I, I love being around those guys and, uh, they're, they're just so crazy funny. And, uh, I, I mean, so that, that, that really is the value to me. So I, as much as I would love it, if it were like, um, super ultra popular, you know, uh, it's already doing what I want it to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I don't know. I didn't, like I said, I, I probably need to do a better job of promoting the show. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm already getting to be funny with a bunch of really funny people. So, mm-hmm. you know, hey, what more could you ask for? Yeah. You know, that's always fun. Yeah. It's always a good time. A better living probably. Yeah. More <laughs> money would be nice, but <laughs> if, we, if I could wish anything. Yeah. Uh, now what is a goal for, for you, for yourself career wise or comedy wise? Mm. You know, man, all I've ever really wanted out of uh, any of these millions of creative things I've ever done is just to make a living. Mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, I, I'm not that interested in being anything other than that. I, um, uh, it would be nice to be, I don't know, to win some awards or something like that. But I, but because I can't think of any off the top of my head that necessarily I'd like to win. Uh, I don't know, Hugo, but, <laughs> but, um. I just want to make a living and uh, travel with my wife and um, see other places and and it's it's really valuable to me to feel like I've just got this this um, palette in front of me and then I can I can do creative stuff in, in a bunch of different ways. Um, but I already have that, so uh, I don't know. I would like to make more money, <laughs> and it would be nice if if I could make more money because we could travel more. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, we eat pretty well, as you can see. We have sunshine and it's very nice. Yeah, you know. Nice. And and this is a question I ask. This is the final question I okay. ask all my guests: This, if you were to give one piece of advice to somebody who wants to be like you or to get involved in the comedy world, what advice would you give them? Mm. Well, I would say you. Remember that funny is contextual. And I think that I think one of the first things that people will say to you, well, if you if you decide that you're going to become a stand-up, you say and so you tell your friends, um, I'm a stand-up comic now. I've done an open mic, I'm officially a stand-up comic. And they'll say, "Really? Tell me your tell me your funniest joke." And because you're new, you'll say, "Okay," and you'll tell them your funniest joke and they'll go, "Hmm," cuz it's not the right context. Mm-hmm. So just just remember that funny is contextual if anybody says to you you're not funny that's just not true and if i could add the second thing (laughs) i also just want to say anybody can be funny it's not 
people say nothing makes me matter than when people say you're either funny or you're not because that's just wrong mm. that's like saying you're either strong or you're not mm-hmm. maybe i'm not strong today but if i go to the gym every day for three or four years i'm gonna be slightly stronger you know I, it's 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 just like anything else so if you want to be funny you are if you want to be funnier you can don't let anybody take that away from you mm-hmm. so oh. I love that advice. Yeah. Everyone has a, everyone's a little funny, you know. Yeah, everyone is a little funny. Yeah. So if people want to uh, learn more about your show, The Village Theater, want to mm-hmm. learn more about you and your books, how can they find you online? What's where, where can they go? Uh, it's really easy to find me. I, I'm at readmyfuckingbooks.com. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can also find my uh, my show is at atlbanana.com. Is there? Facebook is Atlanta Explained. Twitter Atlanta Explained. I'm on Twitter at Jim Hodgson. Um, you can find our car show at cross threaded it's cross threaded.us. Um, my writer's podcast is called the outliners. You can find that at my website, jimhodgson.com slash, uh, well not slash. I shouldn't, that's too close <laughs> to the actual, <laughs> the shit that they use. Uh, but jimhodgson.com or read my fucking books.com. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the no, show. No, man, really thank you so much. It. I learned so much. <laughs> this, is, this is super cool. Sorry to hear that for your sake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening, uh, remember, please like our page on Facebook at Talking Late Night. If you want to listen to other shows, which you're obviously on the website, but check out my other shows, www.talkinglatenight.com. You can also find me on iTunes where you can rate me and also leave me a review. Jim, would you give me what would you rate me? Oh, eight stars out of six. Wow. <laughs> eight, eight out of six. He gave me an imperfect, an imperfect fraction of a, of a rating. That's how good he did the show. That's how good it was. is. Yeah. So thank you again for listening. Check us out online, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>